0: Well, welcome to another acoustic alternatives i'm john bombarito broadcasting from grove studios in Ypsilanti. and if you're a michigan-based artist and looking for a place to do your practicing your dj you need a place to go loud. if you're in a band and you want to get out of the garage grove studios in Ypsilanti an excellent post to me and Uh, Very, uh, very instrumental in me actually doing this podcast. If they hadn't encouraged me to do it, I probably wouldn't be doing it. So big thanks to them. And I want to thank my sponsor who signed on a few episodes ago as well. He's an associate broker realtor. David Palmer is his name. And we're going to talk more about David a little bit later on in the program. But if you're in the... uh, the Detroit, Ann Arbor area, and you're looking for a realtor, dcpalmer.com. Write that down or open up another browser while you're listening, or if you're listening uh, on the audio version of this podcast, just uh, pop that up and check it out later. But I am very excited to welcome a guest that uh, I've never had a chance to interview in all my years of doing radio, but she's been by my station. Uh, Kim Ritchie is here with me today. Hello. Good morning. Hello, Kim. How are you today? I'm pretty good. I'm
1: not bad. Thank you.
0: You brought a friend with you today.
1: I did. This is uh, Sam Hoxley. He's uh, up from over from Australia, but he (laughs) lives in Nashville now like I do. Kind, G'day. Of, <laughs> kind of recognized the
0: accent when we were talking like huh that reminds me of shane nicholson who i visited with a long time ago oh we both know shane <laughs> let yeah. me tell you a story off air about shane it's a good one okay it? it's a really good one it, like it,
1: i love those off air kind of stories well,
0: it's not relevant to you so why would we do yeah. it today but you've got quite the journey 26 removed from your 26 years removed from your debut album a uh, long journey that includes writing songs and providing vocals in the late 80s and early 90s for the Dixie Chicks, before any of us heard of them. Uh, the New Grass Revival, Pam Tillis, Randy Foster, Reba McIntyre, Tricia would just to name a few, all people you worked with. And Bill Lloyd, you were in a band with him before he went solo too, is that correct?
1: Well, I was in, in a band with him. He was uh, uh, he was in a duo with, uh, called Foster and Lloyd yes. in uh, the country uh, country group, but I was uh, in a band with him in, at university. But that's that's pretty much why I ended up in... Uh, Nashville I moved there from Bellingham Washington okay Uh, Radney and Bill they were touring and they came up to Bellingham, where I was in Washington, and I rode on the bus for a couple of days with them and, and sold T-shirts. And they said, you got to come to Nashville. So I so just did, kind of on the lark, really. Nice.
0: And you've been there ever since, more or less? <laughs>
1: Pretty much. Five years in London. I was in Austin for a bit, but mostly all all Nashville. Okay.
0: We'll dig into that a little deeper. But I think it'd be fun to start with a song before we get into your history. What else? Uh, what would you like to start with, sir? Well, we'll play
1: uh, Every River that was off of uh, the second record I did, uh, Bittersweet. Okay. All right, Sam.
2: is ever true Steal yourself against the day when I stop loving you When the day comes that I don't love you Every star to hear you call And I'll be there to catch you, baby Should you ever fall When the day comes that I don't love you Every star
0: is my guest on acoustic alternatives going back quite a few years for that one and uh, appreciate you digging in there's a lot to pick from in your lengthy career so
1: Yeah there's a, yeah when i first started out we didn't have enough songs and now and <laughs> it doesn't matter what i play afterwards i'll come out and talk to people and they'll say oh you didn't play <laughs> of course because you've got a, a
0: lengthy catalog yeah. Well tell me about your journey as a young woman and how you discovered music and found it to be a path that you are still on today what was the reason you chose to you're still doing it i mean
1: well, I'm not sure what else to do at this point, really.
0: <laughs> well, yes, but I mean, there was a 15 year old you at some point that didn't know what you were going to be. Maybe you didn't. I didn't right?
1: Well, I'm not one of those people that that knew what I wanted to do when when I was um, you know younger, growing up, and everything. I I was nearly a folklore major in university because I stood in the wrong line. Oh. So, um, but I have a degree in environmental ed. So okay. I did that. Worked at nature centers and uh, um, and then I started cooking in restaurants and. Uh, I was doing that up in Bellingham when I moved to Nashville. I actually cooked at the Bluebird for a bit. I heard. Yeah, and um, but uh, gosh, I always loved singing, um, but I never, I, I, I never thought for for you know in a million years that that this was an option as a career choice. You know, I I think when I was really little, I always thought I'd be a teacher.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, so I love singing, and and uh, I've been able to do it, you know, for quite some time now
0: think about teaching music instead of, I mean, at some point, maybe you don't want to tour anymore and maybe teaching music would be a way to make a. I'm better. not
1: good at teaching music. I do some, because I don't, I don't, um, I don't have that knowledge. Um, I can play and sing and everything, but not to teach anybody else, but I do do a little bit of, um, mentoring with songwriters. So I, I really enjoy that just to sit with, um, people and say, well, what about if you did this, you know, and in your song? And I did a little bit of that. During the what was for me the worst part of the lockdown in the winter, and it just kind of kept me, um, you know, from losing my mind. Basically, I had a appointment with a, a, a few women that I would meet with them because I, I do a mentoring thing in uh, at Banff every year, part mm-hmm. of a songwriter workshop. And some of those uh, girls got in touch and said, "Can we have a meeting?" And it was just really great to have to be somewhere, you know, at a certain time every week or whatever and, and get to talk with them and, and go over songs and stuff.
0: So your friends in high school would be surprised if they looked back when you were, you know, 12, 15, 14, 16 years old or whatever, that you decided to follow this path. They would have thought you'd have become a teacher or something like that.
1: Yeah. Or, or yeah, I just, just wouldn't even know what the heck I'd be doing. (laughs)
0: So I heard you worked in your aunt's record store as well at some point. Is well,
1: that- I didn't work in her store. She had a store. It was my great aunt, and uh, she uh, was in McConnellsville, Ohio. Uh, that's where my parents were. Um, and uh, when we would go back, uh, my my dad passed away when I was two, so we moved to Dayton, my mom and I and sister, and um, lived with my grandparents. And when we would go back to visit... McConnellsville my great grandmother my great great grandmother and my great aunt all lived in a house together mm-hmm. and then my great aunt had a record store in the bottom floor of an old house in McConnellsville which is a teeny tiny town and um and I was I was just really little I was like 9 9 or 10 so I, and I had no idea how cool that was that my aunt was running a record store I mean a- also my great aunt you know she wasn't a spring chicken but she was totally you know knew what was going on with music and everything and uh but she would let us take she let us take home uh as many 45s as we wanted so I have this like massive I still have all my 45s um we had I had like I can still see some of the labels like I had um Love and Spoonful and uh, all of Motown stuff. I can see that label, what that looks like. Remember that? Remember
0: the karma label Love and Spoonful? Yeah. Right? Yellow, right? Yeah,
1: yellow with the red, like, the mm-hmm. guy on there. And, um, but I had uh, uh, also just just a really odd collection of 45s. I saw, like, the band mm-hmm. and uh, J- Janis Joplin, 45. And it was just, it was really great. We weren't allowed to have uh, albums, but we could have 45s. And she, but she did buy me... The first album I ever owned, I was in the hospital when I was a little kid, and she came to visit and bought me an album. And it was, I'm not sure how appropriate it was for a nine-year-old, but it was Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Remember, like, Hey There, Little Red Riding Hood and Creepy Guy song?
0: (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure how you turned out this way. My first album was a K-Tel album called "Dumb Ditties" all you know? nice. it, was like novelty songs on it. So I have a weird sense of humor, but my musical taste—you know—my first 45 was actually a Paul McCartney and Wings 45. See, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's not a bad place to start. But that was before I realized he was in the Beatles. When I was <laughs> nine, eight, nine years old. So. Yeah. Did that influence your songwriting at all? Having this vast collection of 45s of different genres, and
1: probably because I think. I think like like when you when you buy an album, you're all into the artist. That's what you're buying. And when you have 45s, you're buying them for the songs. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of uh, kids and younger people are that's how they think of music. A lot of times are the just the songs. And um, but the first uh, like Joni, Joni Mitchell is one of my the uh, you know one of my favorites and one a huge influence. But the first time I ever kind of started paying attention to her, I I went all in and bought the double live album and then I went back through the whole catalog and everything. But yeah, I think because it, I think because I started out listening to songs that, you know, that was, that's really important to me. Songs are.
0: Were you more interested in songwriting or singing?
1: Uh, Always singing. I only wrote songs. When I was in that band with uh, Bill Lloyd, I didn't write songs. Uh, The other guys wrote songs and, and I sang, and um, and we all sang. But um, I, I I decided I, I I would maybe try my hand. And the first song I wrote was one minute long, and they used to call it the FTD. I think I just didn't want to take up a lot of room. The it called it the FTD song because they thought it would make a good ad for a. For the florists, oh
0: so. <laughs> and did you ever try and sell it to them? No. <laughs> Come on, you should do it now. <laughs> they don't exist anymore. Yeah, really. yeah. I'm, I'm sure. a little late. Late
1: on that one. <laughs>
0: well, your debut solo album came out after working with others uh, back in 1985. First three records around Mercury. Would it be fair to say the most successful one was the third one, *Glimmer*, because you just recently decided to re-record that?
1: Well, I don't know. See, I, that the record came out in '95, so '85, I was still up, and I didn't move to Nashville until '88. So um, I, I don't know about the most successful album. People, people, um, there are camps. Like there's the bittersweet camp that they—that's their favorite all-time record, and then uh, the glimmer people, and they you know—that's kind of when I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's like when you find that artist, you know, that's kind of your favorite one and sure. sticks with you because you know music just is is so um, all wrapped up in, in your life and personal experiences and what's going on at that point. You know, that's how a lot of, uh, why certain albums or songs resonate with a pe you know, with people or a group,
0: whichever one was your gateway. One sticks with you for the, for the yeah. duration of the, this is yeah. the, introduced yeah, me so. to, yeah just curious why you decided to re-record that one. I know the original was produced by a pretty big name producer.
1: Well, glimmer, yeah, it was Hugh Page and uh, glimmer. We, we we did it for um, because it was uh, I thought that'd be great for a record store day. It was the 20th anniversary of the, of the record, and we were just just had planned to do a little, you know, just a little like one off kind of acoustic, just yeah. play the songs. And then when we started working on it, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and, you know, and turned into a proper album. So uh, Yep Rock decided to, you know, not do the Record Store Day and just give it a proper release. But... um it was released in conjunction with the pandemic, so that didn't work out quite so quite as we had planned. Not yet, but, uh, but but yeah. So so we so that's how that came about,
0: though. It's already a timeless record. It doesn't matter if you promote it this year, next year, or whatever, right? So I mean, yeah, you missed the anniversary, but whatever. I mean, yeah, a lot of us missed things. In 2020. <laughs> it's like twenty twenty. The missing move. year. <laughs> it kind of was. Did you have to relearn some of those songs, or did you remember them?
1: Well, that? you know when I, I've been playing a lot, so I, I always try to play songs. From from all the different records, when we you know at least a, a song from from a record when we were touring and stuff. But yeah, I had to I had to go, you know kind of refresh my memory on some of them because I don't play the whole record you know ever.
0: Not not yet. Yeah. Maybe you will.
1: Well, we had <laughs> planned to. That was part of the plan, the master plan too. But now mm. we're just on to the next thing. Yeah.
0: Would that be an album you'd want to dip into a song for another performance?
1: Uh no. <laughs> in a word. That is fine with me. because yeah, 'cause because 'cause I'm cause I'm, not, 'cause I'm not sure like what we're gonna what it's gonna be. We're thinking it might be like more it could possibly be something that's a little more acoustic and just kind of with strings instead of a like an Americana tr- traditional kind of guitar y thing. So I'm not sure what we're doing quite yet.
0: Okay. Do you wanna do another song now from somewhere in your back catalog?
1: Sure, let's see. Um I'm gonna play I don't know. I don't think you know this one, Sam. You can just do some... Uh, it's video as well, so you could do
0: some... Smiling?
1: Well, I was thinking more like some movement interpretive dance or something <laughs> would be good. That'd be great. Okay.
0: <laughs> what song are you
1: doing? Uh, I'm going to do uh, Absence of Your Company. It's from Chinese Boxes. And uh, it was in an episode of Grey's Anatomy nice. um, So back in the day, so...
2: If you can't say that you don't love me If you can look me in the eye And say that you don't love me I can say goodbye If you can't tell me you won't miss me Sound convincing when you say that you won't miss me? I can walk away. Cause I don't have a point to prove or stand to make. Well, I'm just trying to by my way and a face to wear and a place to be in the absence of your company Stand to make. Yeah, I'm just trying to find my way and a face to wear and a place to be in the absence of your company. Ooh.
0: Absence of your company, making me miss a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. If you don't mind, I'm going to take a minute and thank David Palmer again, because again, without him, this uh, podcast is impossible at the at the present time. I've known David for years. He's a big music fan, and he's been a fan of what I've been doing on the radio uh, when I was still doing that. And uh, he and I have crossed paths many times. But he's a he's a realtor, and he cares deeply about uh, having a positive social impact in this area as well. So if you're if you're looking in the area detroit ann arbor area and you're looking for a place maybe you're a first time buyer maybe you're a person recovering from being a first-time buyer and had a bad experience he's the guy for you also pretty special in the department of if you have uh, like i do an elderly parent and at some point you're probably gonna have to think about moving stuff out of their house and trying to figure out what to do with that he is pretty adept in that area as well helping you uh, move that stuff get find the right people to help those third parties you'll need find the right places for that so dcpalmer.com is his website is associated with realty experts llc at 1420 washington number 301 in detroit 48226 and that phone number is 313-759-9558 dcpalmer.com again thanks david for being such a great supporter of what i'm doing and i hope you can get a chance to check him out so back to back to kim and uh, kim thinking about when you moved to nashville which was the early 90s was it was it the song, or mid-90s, I guess? Was, was, 88. 88, sorry. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, was it the hip thing to do? I mean, now a lot of people moved to Nashville to c- connect it with the songwriter scene, but were you kind of at the beginning of that whole wave?
1: Uh, no. Uh, I I moved there uh, actually because, well, I was up in, you know, like just kind of another place to go, but what I, th- I thought was really, really interesting and uh, kind of drew me into Nashville and the music there was, that was when uh, Steve Earle was, was happening mm-hmm. And um, gosh, and Dwight Yokom and Katie Lang and all of that stuff. And I thought, especially Steve Earle, I thought I really, I can really, I get this music, and this is really, really great. And uh, and it was kind of like a false alarm hmm. for <laughs> for Nashville. Um, but um, it was it, that's that's the that's that's the the people that I was influenced by in Nashville and everything. And and it wasn't like it was definitely not cool. When I moved there in Nashville, and um, but that was cooler to me than than it is now. And you know, when when something tries it drives really hard. It's not that, it's not cool. To, and, but I remember when we moved there, my, my boyfriend kept going. Have we unpacked yet? Do we have to live here? Do we really have to live here? <laughs> I mean, they had a they had a, a, a like a thing. There's a, the scene is the. Um you know, the free paper mm-hmm. and uh, that talks about entertainment and culture and all that kind of stuff. and, and uh, they had a contest you know every year like a lot of them do like the best of, what's the best thing in Nashville. And as far as coffee went, the best coffee voted the best coffee in Nashville was Shoney's. Do you guys mm. have that up here? It's uh, Frisch's called or so- Big boy or something like that. It's like that horrible coffee that sits on the burner for like a million years. So so yeah, there was there wasn't a single coffee shop or anything like that or but um, you know, then it it just kept it kind of it kind of peaked and then went overboard, I think a little bit maybe.
0: It's, it, it's 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 a pretty uh, destination place now for people who want to get connected with the songwriter scene and
1: all kinds of folks. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, a lot of industry is moving there. A lot of tech stuff is mm-hmm. moving there as well, like Austin.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the day, I would have think I would have thought basically it was only a country town, but not at all now. I mean, not at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, no. Actually, and it wasn't. People always thought it was just country music, and you know, Bob Dylan recorded there, and then there was a, a lot of stuff going going on there that people didn't know about. That there was just the, um, you know, we're familiar with, uh, the country music that came out of there.
0: Yeah. That seems to be what resonated with most people. Now you said you worked at the Bluebird, you were a cook there. Yep. You also get to play there. I assume at some point in in your career.
1: Well, I, I played open mic, you know, back then. And then now I play, you know, every once in a while, while there, and uh, actually I'm playing next month. They're, um, they do a series. They started doing shows now again. They were so small that they couldn't open partially because mm. they couldn't make that work financially, yeah. and because um, I think they only can get about a hundred people in there, and um, so they do a series in the summer. Which is uh, Bluebird on the mountain, and it's uh, held at outdoors at the observatory. Mm, okay. And it's re- it's really fun. It's their same songwriter, you know thing and and uh, but outdoors and people bring picnics and blankets and you know stuff to drink and all that kind of thing.
0: I saw a trailer for a film about the Bluebird that you were in. Mm-hmm. Has that film come out yet?
1: Yeah, yeah, did yeah. It-, it did. I don't think it played in theaters or anything. It was a documentary there. It, it, it had a pretty, pretty small release, I reckon.
0: Was that something that you have uh, you were excited to be part of? I mean, it was, part oh, of your, yeah. it was certainly part of your history.
1: Yeah, it was cool to be part of it. And I got to be part of it because I, you know, worked at the Bluebird and all that kind of thing.
0: Did some of the, your friends that you uh, saw developing, have any of them gone on to exceed your expectations that you saw developing playing there?
1: Well, I'm not sure what you mean.
0: Uh, people who have succeeded who played that small stage that you were oh there's were loads er- of
1: people I wasn't around to see them though you know but but I'm thinking of the ones
0: you were around to see
1: not really not mm-hmm. no not, not, I mean well when I was there in in before 88 I lived there for a little bit that's when I was cooking like really early 80s mm-hmm. and I was just there for about a year or in a bit but then I would see people like Kevin Welch um would play there in a band and um there were a lot of Mostly the people I saw play then, um, it, that was before the singer-songwriter thing was going on at, at, at the Bluebird. Because when I cooked there, it, we served lunch and dinner. It was like ladies who lunch, lunch thing, <laughs> and then dinner, and then clear everybody out, and it turned into a bar. <laughs> and so some of the bands, like the, the bands were great. A lot of the people that were in those bands went on to be like the A-list session players and stuff in Nashville and songwriters, mostly, uh, Tim Krekel and, uh, Bob Depiro and Kevin and, um, John Scott Sherrill, just a lot of, a lot of those kind of folks went on to, to more to a songwriting career.
0: Okay. At some point you mentioned you moved to England. What was the, what was your reason for moving over there?
1: Well, I was going back and forth a whole bunch because I, um, I, I had a, Uh, well I met Giles Martin and Giles came over to uh, do some you know to write some songs and some publisher fixed me up with him and we just really got on and and uh, became friends so I would go over there and and work with him some and then got to know a lot of his friends and I met some other people at uh, songwriting camps Um, like there was this one in France that Miles Copeland put on Mm -hmm. and And uh, I met, you know, some U.K. people there who were still really close friends. And um, so I was going back and forth doing writing and everything. And then um, the publisher over there, Chrysalis, said, when your deal runs out in the States, come over here and write for us. Mm. So I ended up doing that. And uh, after about five years, I thought, well, it it was just um, it's really expensive (laughs) for one thing. And uh, also, I, I seem to have I was touring a bunch, more so in the States than you know in the uk because of the, just the size factor and there's a lot more gigs over here and mm-hmm. so i was uh i was paying a lot of money for some place where i wasn't living you know because i was coming so much over to back to the to the states and stuff Didn't but, make sense. But, yeah. but i loved it i i miss my friends from over there a, a, a lot especially like right now since i i go there a few times a year so still mm-hmm. so so i haven't been able to see any of those guys for quite some time like everybody is in that same yeah. big boat
0: for sure we're missing people like you. Yeah. Were, like we were just saying about uh, when you worked with Giles on uh, on Chinese Boxes. Did you work in England with him, or did he yeah kind of, he came-
1: Yeah, we worked we worked over there, and I had uh, some of my friends. You know, it was fun to get have my friends play on the records and stuff. And then I met some new friends who I'm really close with still that that I met through Giles that played on the record. But yeah, we had a, I had a good time. I love Giles. He's just, he's just one, you know, his dad being George Martin, he could have grown up to be, you know, some spoiled, horrible person. And he's just the funniest, kindest, most generous guy ever. So, so yeah, so it was great working with him.
0: Did you work at Abbey Road where his dad worked or did you, did you
1: work well, elsewhere? Well, no, we did work. We recorded in another studio, but, uh, they mastered, uh, mastered the record at, um, Abbey Road and, um, so, and I, and I've been over there with Giles a bunch, so that's, that's pretty cool to get to go over there with him. Cause he's kind <laughs> yeah, of in.
0: He's got a little bit of history there with, yeah. in his blood, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You've worked with quite a few great musicians over the years. How do you tend to pick the people that you work with? I mean, Sam's a fantastic guitar player from what I can tell just a couple songs I've heard.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I'm just lucky. I really have, uh, been able to work with really great people. Um, another one of my Excuse me, great gu- guitar friends Kenny Vaughn, who's a uh, um, crazy good guitar player. He toured with me on the tour for the first record in, in Bittersweet. He played on Bittersweet too. He's playing with Marty Stewart now, and okay. the fabulous Superlatives. And <laughs> if you ever get a chance to see those guys, man, that is a crazy good show. I've heard. So yeah, I've just been I've been really lucky. Will Kimbrough, I've toured you know a bunch with Will, and uh, yeah, I've had some really good bands. Also, the thing too is like. You know, when I was doing making records and in, in for a major label, like the first three records, um, uh, four records, actually, then the record label was picking up all the picking up the tab and they had a ton of money. Yeah. So, you know, they were sending us out on a bus with a full super giant band and, you know, everything. So that made a difference.
0: I bet it does. Yeah. <laughs> Easier to pick the band. Well, I can afford so-and-so. I may as well get them. I recently saw a video of uh, a fan of yours uh, bringing you on stage and, and uh, singing a song with you. And I happen to be a pretty big fan of Brandy Carlisle. I didn't oh. realize she was such a big fan of yours. Have you uh, gotten into her world a little bit and kind of watched what she's doing and followed along with her career?
1: Well, yeah, she's she's great. She's so she's so generous. She she really is an uplifter. She's just out there helping you know bringing everybody else along. Um, yeah, she's, she's really cool. I, um, uh, she was telling me, you know, she knows, she really knows all the songs. We were at some, uh, gathering. There's a festival called the 30A Songwriter Festival in down in Florida. And that's where I, I sang with her up on stage. Oh, that was funny <laughs> yeah. because I was down there and, and, uh, and I just went, went to see her. She was playing. I thought, Oh, I'm just going to go. I just went by myself uh, and I said, I'm going to run down to the big stage and see, you know, Brandi Carlisle. And uh, so I was standing in the. Um, they had a like a little pen. It looked like for if you were part of the festival, where you could stand in the pen and yeah. be closer to the stage. And I was standing there, uh, watching her. And all after a song was over, then she says, "Oh my God, you know the second Kim Richie out there," and I was like, "Oh!" And then everybody <laughs> turns around, and looks at you, and she goes. She goes, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Will you come up and you know come up and sing? And it's like, okay. So I had to walk through, like walk through the crowd. And it was funny, it was like I was a boxer or something. You know, everybody in the crowd's <laughs> going, eh! you know what the high five you as, you as you go by and everything. But um, but it was it was really, it was that was something. And and I played a another show where, uh with her where she hollered to call up. So Hopefully, I, I would love to get to um, do something with her sometime, record something with her because she's such, you know, such a beautiful singer.
0: Yeah, she is. Yeah, I was actually just going to ask you if you thought about writing a song with her since she's such a fan of your songwriting. I'm sure she'd be thrilled to do it. Well,
1: hopefully, we'll get to do that at some point. She's just like crazy busy right now, and then you know, with that thing that yeah. happened. They're kind of, <laughs> you're kind of, you're kind of in your own area.
0: Yeah, I watched a bunch of her shows from her compound during the uh-huh, pandemic, uh-huh. so watching the twins yeah. and her perform.
1: Those guys are so sweet too. The they twins are. are great. Aside from just being crazy good, they're they're really really nice people as well.
0: I've had the chance to interview her, and and they've been always very kind. And they remember me because we have the same haircut. I think <laughs> I remember, I'm not quite sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who who've been your favorites to work with over the years as far as songwriting and performing?
1: oh gosh i don't i don't know like i've written with a lot of you know a lot of different people i don't know that you would know any of those folks they're just you know mostly Nashville people and friends and stuff and but that's uh, touring i was i was saying to to sam um you know i've toured with a a lot of really you know mostly everybody's pretty nice Mm -hmm. and but the hall of famers are the indigo girls they are just so flipping nice Mm -hmm. and um they they just do really good work too. They kind of they don't just you know pay lip service to to causes and stuff like that. They really are doing a lot of good, uh, good things. And um, I remember when we toured with them the first time, uh, I was in a trio and we were opening up shows for them, And you know we were in our dressing room and just trying to mm. stay out of the way. You know like your that's your opening act kind of job is to, you know not take up a lot of space. And so we were. We were in the in the room and and uh, and they came to find us to say hello and oh. welcome us to the tour, and then they uh, one or the other will sit at the side of stage and watch a show every night, and um, they then they'll invite you up on stage to play with them and everything, and I got to sing with them, which was really super fantastic, and they they've just been they were just the best ever.
0: We were talking about the gateway drug to discovering an artist. They were kind of my gateway drug to modern folk. When I discovered their music, it was like, it reminded me of growing up and listening to Simon Garfunkel on 8-track in my my mom's car and harmony was there. I'm like, this is very, there's something about this. And I started to gravitate towards acoustic music because of them. That was
1: such a huge, like, you know, do you remember the first time you heard that song, Closer to Fine? Mm -hmm. It was like, whoa what is this it's not like anything else but i know it it's my music you know it's like this is really great Uh, there are a few songs like over your life that you know kind of just really have such a huge effect like that
0: land of canaan actually might have been a bigger one for me from uh, i guess from both of their first albums it's just Uh the the harmonies or something about that song was like whoa Uh (laughs) yeah it hit me me very very distinctly and, and i guess kind of shaped my music taste which was sort of at that point sort of New wavy, you know, Depeche Mode, Howard Jones uh-huh. kind of stuff. And I'm like, ooh, what's this? Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> Drifting back to what I heard when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, it's good stuff there. Would you like to do another song before we continue?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, Want to do The Wait Never Was? We'll do something from Glimmer. Great.
2: Oh no, here we go again. Take me back to way back when, well, I gotta tell ya, I gotta say, I got over yesterday A long, long time ago, I cut it loose, maybe you should too. you know always right we didn't argue we didn't fight it was hearts and flowers true romance why not give it one more chance well of all
0: song found on your third and technically most recent album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> most recent release <laughs> uh, from Brom Glimmer. Uh, Kim Ritchie the guest today on Acoustic Alternatives, and I'm very grateful to have her here today. i uh, quite honored uh, with your company. And Sam, Thanks for Sam, having us. Sam's as well. Uh, so co-writing is something you've done. How do you approach co-writing, uh, even though maybe it's easier just to write on your own? I don't know. Maybe it's easier to write with them. With the
1: it, it's easier for me writing with other people just because I... I um, I mean that's why I started doing music in the first place was to to connect with other people and to play music with other people and not to sit in my room and on my own and you know play. That's probably why I'm not a great guitar player because I didn't spend the time sitting in my room alone playing guitar. But um, yeah, I I I, uh, I really I really love writing with other people because it makes me think of things I wouldn't have thought of on my own, you know, and and uh, and also. We, uh, some of my very closest friends I've met because of songwriting and, you you know, the way, can you, you can just imagine like you sit in a room with somebody that you, you know, you've only just met maybe for the first time that you get together, right? And immediately, like right off the bat, you're, you're talking about really personal things, you Mm. know, in the guise of, it's just a song, you know, kind of sort of thing, but you get to get right into talking and when have you ever met somebody for the first time and then you sit in a room and just talk and play music for like you know four or five three four whatever hours so so um i really i really really like that yeah it, it's just a it's a great creative thing for me too. left to my own devices i'm i'm pretty lazy person you know i'll hmm. think of all kinds of other things to do but i get ideas for songs um on my own a lot and and that'll be you know um I'll just all of a sudden I'll think, oh, I'm going to play my guitar for a couple of minutes and I'll just, you know, sit down and maybe something will come when I'm not sitting down going, I'm going to try to write a song. And then then it seems harder. Like you put all that pressure on yourself and it doesn't make it easier. It makes it harder. Mm. So I try to come up with ideas and, and I'll don't um, be too hard on myself when I can't, you know, when I don't have anything. I just say, OK, I'll go do something else.
0: Are you generally writing about your own personal experiences or are you writing just like, oh, I heard a new story the other day and that made me think of this? All,
1: both, all both. kinds of stuff. A lot of stuff is really personal and, and you know, and other things are, you know, uh, ideas from movies or um, books or, you know, like overhearing somebody in a coffee shop, you know, and just all kinds of things. Or a lot of times, I think it was Harlan Howard said that, you know, the best, uh, one of the best tools for songwriting is if you're, songwriting partner just broken up with somebody so it's you know from other people's experiences you can get songs too
0: yes one of the biggest albums of the last decade was uh, Adele's <laughs> breakup album right? yeah 20, it's all breakup songs <laughs> so people relate to that I guess that's one of the more uh, relatable experiences uh, as far as the people you've worked with and haven't worked with you have a wish list in your head of people you'd like to work with songwriting wise
1: Oh, songwriting wise, um, I would like to write with Brandy. That would be fun. I yeah. think we, I think we get some good stuff. And also the twins, they are super good songwriters. I don't know if anybody knows that. Well,
0: they wrote the story, or at least Phil did. Right? Well,
1: yeah, and and uh, also they did the um, Tanya Tucker. They wrote oh, yeah. some really great songs on there too. Right. So, um, yeah, those guys, uh, all of those guys, would be really fun to write with. Um, as far as writing, that's who I like to write with. Yeah. Singing, though, um, I've been asked that before, you know, like, who would you like to sing with? And and um, I love uh David Hildago from mm-hmm. Los Lobos. Oh, I'm awesome. going to go see them in, in a couple
0: months. Wow. You get to actually go see music, too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go in, going to the
1: Ryman, and uh, Steve Earle and Los Lobos are playing, I so know. I think that's going to be a pretty awesome
0: uh, show. Well, recently, you got to work with a band from Michigan, uh, The Accidentals. Mm-hmm. Tell me how that came about. Well... Gosh, uh, it was so roundabout. Um, I
1: did a uh, early on, you know, when people were first doing the streaming shows, and mm. they were kind of like little mini disasters. And I had the mine was kind of a disaster. I was I was playing some songs and telling some stories, and all of a sudden, I realized like the feed had stopped, and I'm just like I'm the only one there. <laughs> You're in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then it got back going. I mean, it was just it was horrible, It was for uh, Club Passim uh-huh. in a really great folk club in Cambridge. And so um, the woman that was there, she said, I, um, I'll hook you up with uh, Sav, this this woman. She knows a lot about, you know, streaming and all those things. And she can maybe help you uh, figure some of this stuff out. So that's how I met Sav. And she helped me with uh, streaming and getting a good microphone and all those kind of things. And then I talked to him later and they said, would you, would you like to write a song together? And so um, it was over Zoom, which I really do not. Do very well trying to write over Zoom because you can imagine the, like you can't play together, and it's hard to 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 show somebody something a lot of times and, but we we came up with a song that ended up on their uh, um, uh, EP, mm-hmm. and Timeout I think it's called uh, yeah. on their EP and so we did that and then uh, they also invited me up to play uh, for the Folk Festival in Ann Arbor so I came up and played with them. On that one, we streamed from The Ark, So that was pretty awesome. I'm going to do some more shows with them. We, we're working on some stuff coming up. We've got a Bluebird show in the future together. And then Great. we're going to do a bit of a tour together, too, I
0: think. Great. Yeah. Well, They're
1: so ridiculously talented. They and are. they work, 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 work.
0: And nice people as well. Yeah,
1: they sure are.
0: Sweet. You were actually the first show back at The Ark mm-hmm. after it opened. And uh, I have to ask how that was because there must have been some crazy emotion in that room.
1: Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was really. You know, a couple people came up and said, you know, certain songs that they cried during those songs, and and Mary was so kind to us when she introduced us and and everything, and and uh, it's just really, it's really great to be back to these places, especially there are certain you know clubs that I have a connection with because I've played there a lot, and you know, and I recognize people that come to see me and and all of that stuff, so it, that have been coming for years. So it's 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 really. It's really something to be back out and playing for people again.
0: Yeah, post-COVID, what was what were your first gigs back? What were what were they like? I like, we thinking, do I know how to do this anymore? Totally.
1: To- that was the major thing. It's like uh, and and it's funny because I played uh at a art center in uh Greenville, South Carolina. That was my last show before the COVID thing hit. Mm-hmm. My first show back was Greenville, South Carolina, the <laughs> art center. So, so I was I was back there again, but it's still a little nerve-wracking. I'm not to the point where I think, okay, well, you know, here we're going to do, you know, I know what's going on in the show and everything. It's still kind of like, oh, I'm not packing well. I forget stuff every, every time, every time so far that I've gone. And yeah, I, and I think that's true with uh the venues and everybody else as well. You know, like the, the more well, we played an outdoor show and, and I was talking to the the couple that run the show and, and they were saying, yeah, we got here and, where did we put the tent? Does it go over <laughs> here? Where do we used to plug stuff in? And everybody's kind of like just trying to, you Dis- know, get back up to speed.
0: Disoriented, I think. Yeah, That's yeah, different. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What do you listen to when you're driving on these road trips? Is, are there uh, is it old stuff, new stuff? Are you discovering new songwriters in any sh- any way, shape, or form? We right?
1: haven't listened to music at all this uh-huh. trip. We've been talking. Oh. We're just we're just chatting away. we were pretty good chatters. <laughs> We entertain ourselves pretty good. We, we, so, sometimes we'll listen to some podcasts and stuff like that, or sometimes music. I mean, the last time, long, well, back before a long time ago, when we were out, um, I was getting ready to produce a record, and, and uh, Sam was. We were listening to different music. Remember, and you were telling me some production tricks that I <laughs> that I, I put into you. So, what do you think, Sam? What do we do while we're out there?
0: We tell jokes. We're funny people. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I don't doubt that. Kim, did you hear the one about? <laughs> Are there any artists I should be looking out for that you've discovered uh, in the up and comer singer-songwriter scene?
1: Uh, oh gosh. You know what? And you asked me that and I can see their faces. I can't think of I can't think of anybody's dang name okay. anymore. I think I've I think I've lost that part of my brain. Whatever. If there's like a, a name area, it's yeah. gone. Um, but there's, de- there's definitely, oh gosh, there's some really good, I can't think of their names. You've got my phone number. Okay. Hey, <laughs> there's some really great songwriters coming out in Nashville. I mean, we talked about Liz Longley oh, and, yeah. and she's pretty well known at this point, but there, there are a lot of, uh, new, new people that, uh, I reckon shall remain, remain nameless <laughs> because I
0: can't think of their darn name. Are you working on a new record yourself?
1: Well, not yet. Getting, getting ready to just kind of getting the, the, getting started, to, you know, deciding who I'm going to make the record with and trying to get songs together and that kind of sort of thing.
0: Well, I look forward to hearing whatever it might be. Oh, thanks. Would you like to do one more song before I let you get on the road?
1: Sure. What yeah. shall we do, Sam? <laughs> uh, okay, what uh, about... Well, um, I'll do Place Called Home.
0: Okay. Kim Ritchie's our guest today on Acoustic Alternatives.
1: And this was on... uh. This was on a record, Rise, and I made it with Bill Betrell, who I just, I love him to bits, too. That was such a fun record to make. We recorded, he has a studio in a, an old, a big barn up in Mendocino. It was like, and we, it was just like playing. We would come in every day, and he'd say, well, what are we going to do today? And I had some songs already written, but we wrote a lot of uh, What's on Rise. I got to write with a band, and that was pretty amazing. Um, but this is a song I wrote with uh, Mike Henderson that I brought to brought to their uh, brought to the record. If you can say that you don't, that's a wrong song. I'm playing the, I'm singing the lyrics. I was like, that doesn't melody, doesn't go with those chords. <laughs> but Max, we can do something about that, can't we? Okay, right on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> give, give a...
1: And also since I'm talking to you right right this second, it sounds amazing. Good. It's so <laughs> nice to sing to, so thanks. Okay. All right, okay. let's okay. see. Let me try to sing sing the right song. I got it now.
0: <laughs> give him a clean start so that he can edit it in.
1: Clean start, you ready?
2: Well it's not hard to see. Anyone who looks at me knows I am just a rolling stone I never landed any place to call my own To call my own Well, it seems like so long ago But it really ain't, you know I started off a crazy kid Miracle I made it Through the things I did The things I did well, Someday I'll go whether there ain't no rain or snow Till then I travel along And I make my bed with the stars above my head and I dream of a place called home I had a chance to settle down, get a job and live in town and work in some old factory I never liked before, man. Standing over me Over me Oh no, I'd rather walk a windy road Rather know the things I know and see the world with my own eyes No regrets, no looking back, no goodbyes No Someday I'll go Where there ain't no rain or snow Till then I travel alone And I make my bed With stars above my head And I dream of a place called home
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast too
1: Thank you, thanks for having us Thanks Max
0: How can people support you the best way? I know that musicians, let's not take them for granted They were struggling probably the most during the pandemic Because they couldn't go do their job There was no place to go do their job So if someone wanted to Buy your music. What's the best place to buy your music that you get the most from?
1: Well, you can buy it from me if you contact me through <laughs> any kind of social media. Like I've sent out all the um, albums, you know, that oh. I have the vinyl and stuff. But and you can also get them from uh, Yep Rock, which okay. is the label that I'm on, and uh, and come to shows, you know, and also you can buy. Uh, I know all the touring musicians. We all carry around. CDs and albums and everything like that so you can buy from us at, at shows but coming to shows that that would be um, the, the best thing because it's just it's great to see everybody out there you know sure. and to show up when there's a bunch of people out there that are, are interested in hearing you sing and play.
0: And if they're not coming to your town, if you're not coming to their town, is like Bandcamp the bus place? Or I doubt uh, iTunes would be your best.
1: Well, I'm not on Bandcamp. It's okay. either buy from Yup the website. They okay. have a website and store get. there, yeah.
0: You get the best slice from that. Okay, yeah. good. Just trying to make sure. We, yeah, thanks. KimRitchie.com, <laughs> Kim right? Simple as yeah. that? Yeah, uh-huh. Simple as that. Well, DCPalmer.com. I want to thank David Palmer again for being a sponsor of the podcast. He is the reason I'm able to do this for a few more weeks until I find another sponsor. A great human being I've known for years, a realtor. Uh, an associate broker realtor serving the clients of the De- city of detroit and the surrounding areas please do check him out he's associated with realty experts llc 1420 washington number 301 detroit michigan 48226 that phone number is 313-759-9558 and again DCPalmer.com. easiest way to find it kim pleasure to see you sam thank you so much for joining us thank you another acoustic alternatives uh, is on deck we'll have another one for you in a couple weeks thanks for being here